Well, it's great to be here with all of you and to get to see everybody today. Autumn and I have been gone for the last several weeks. We spent a week in St. Louis with my parents. And then after that, we went to visit a good friend of ours from college named Jen, who lives out in Fresno, California. And so uh, we had a great time, but I am super excited to be here and be back with all of you today and be back with those of you who are watching with us online today. And I want to take a minute and uh, and I just kind of want to talk a little bit, um, knowing that just probably as you know and probably as you might guess, um, knowing that about 75% of the people who call this place their church, knowing that about 75% of us are married, so why in the world um, would I choose to spend four weeks talking um, to people uh, about dating? And, and so um, I just want to kind of speak into this for, for a few minutes. And the reason um, is simply this. The reason is I want you to have great relationships. And this is a really big deal to me personally because some of you, right, some of you have thought about getting married and the truth is um, you've never really seen a good example of a marriage and so um, you kind of think like, okay, if that's what marriage is all about, um, then I I don't really know that that I want that, right? You want a relationship, um, you're just not sure that you actually want a marriage. And so I want to take a couple of weeks and I want to kind of cast a vision to the best of my ability for, for something that honestly society and many times even the church really does um, kind of a lousy job um, talking about. And so that's why we're doing this and I've been looking forward to this series all summer and so I'm super excited that we get to do this for a couple of weeks. Um, so let me tell you who this series is for. Um, first, this series is for anybody who is dating. Right, So if you're in the dating world, um, if you're about to be in the dating world, if you've been in the dating world for, for um, longer than you wish you were, um, this series is for you. This series is also for anybody who is dating again. Right? Maybe you just went through a tough divorce, um, but now you're thinking about what it might look like to actually uh, get into a, a new relationship. Um, but it's just so different. Right? It's just so different because you dated a long time ago. And so um, the idea of dating again just seems a little bit overwhelming. Um, this series is going to be really helpful for you. And this series is for anybody who is married, and especially anyone who has been married five years or less. This is going to be really helpful for you. Uh, maybe, and you, maybe you even haven't even expressed this out loud to anybody yet, um, but if you've been married like recently, five years or so, and every once in a while you kind of wake up with that feeling of, uh-oh, right, uh-oh, uh, maybe I made a mistake, uh-oh, right? Um, this series is going to be incredibly, incredibly helpful for you in understanding and repairing, right, repairing that sense of uh-oh. Now, let me tell you um, who perhaps might be a little bit frustrated um, with this series over the next several weeks. Uh, and I don't know exactly how to phrase this, right? So um, if you're like a, a recreational dater, like you're a sport dater, right? You're like a, a serial dater. Um, you like to date because you like the game, right? You, you, you like the thrill, right? You're not so much into commitment. Um, you just like to date. I'm going to be honest, you're not going to love this series, okay? Um, but I do hope you come back, and I do hope if you're watching um, that you keep watching as well. Here's what I want you to do. If you're in Troy over these next several weeks, and that's you, I hope that you would just take an outline each week when you come to church, and you just kind of tuck that away in a drawer someplace. For those of you who are watching online right now, um, if you would just, you know, maybe bookmark this page or favorite this series on, on YouTube, um, because my hope hope is that um, at some point in the future, uh, maybe you decide that you're kind of tired of, of the, the stage of life that you're in and, and you're just really kind of sick of all that. 
Um, my hope is that at that point, you would, you would see that what we're going to talk about today um, is really, really helpful and important. Because, um, and, and this applies to all of us, right? This is kind of a big idea. I'll try not to lose you here because I'm not always good at this. Um, right now is your present. Are you with me so far? Right now, this stage of life, this moment of life, this moment, this is your present, right? And at some point in the not-too-distant future, this moment is actually going to become your past, right? This is going to become your past. And I, I love you, and so I want to actually give you a little bit of a heads up. At some point, your past is actually going to show up in your future, Right? So that's what a lot of us who are married, um, we, we didn't understand that. We didn't understand that our past, right, our present, right, this moment, eventually it's going to become our past. And when our past actually ends up showing up again in our future, that's really annoying. That's irritating. Right? That is frustrating. And yet the truth is that happens to all of us. And that, this is true um, in all kinds of different areas of life. Right? But there is no area where there is, this is more true in than when it comes to our relationships. What it is that you do and what it is that I do now, right, that kind of follows us around. And it matters. Right? It matters even if marriage seems like it is a long, long, long way off for, for you because our relational past has a way of showing up at the most inopportune times. Now the good news is that for all of us, right, for all of us we can actually be forgiven, right? All of us we have a savior. You all have a, a faith family that wants to help you heal, that wants to help you grow relationally and spiritually and this is important, the past does not determine our worth, Right? The past does not determine our worth, but the past does have a way of showing up in our future when we least expect it if we do not address our past. Now, if you were not with us for the last series that Pastor Tony led us through, Living Life with No Regrets, you really need to go onto YouTube and check out that series because he did an awesome job of leading us through talking about living without regret. Now, let me tell you something else that I've noticed um, over the time that I've, I've spoken to, to married couples. And I've done this for a long time. I've been speaking to couples in one way or another for, for over 30 years. Married couples, engaged couples, couples that wanted to get married, um, couples that were living together, right? All different types of couples. And in all those different types of couples over 30 years, I don't think I've ever spoken to a couple that actually had a marriage problem. Right, over all the years that I've spoken to all kinds of different couples, I've never spoken to a couple that had a marriage problem. Because uh, over the years what I've discovered is that um, people with problems, they get married. Right? And then they have a, a troubled marriage. Because when you actually drill down deep and you talk to a couple that thinks they have marriage problems, what you discover is they don't have marriage problems. They actually have two single people problems that got combined in a marriage. Because a marriage problem is actually very easy. Right? Very few people actually go into counseling for a, a marriage problem. This is what Autumn and I discovered the very first time that we went to marriage counseling. Um, because see, what we didn't know, but we had to find out afterwards, is that our single people problems, they actually went with us to the altar, and they got combined in our marriage. And so we thought we had a marriage problem. But a marriage problem is simple. Because a marriage problem is like, do we squeeze the toothpaste in the middle, or do we roll it up from the bottom? Right? That's a marriage problem. Do we have one washcloth or two washcloths? 
right? That's a marriage problem. Do we set out all the silverware for every meal, or do we only set out the pieces we're going to use for that particular meal, right? Those are marriage problems, and nobody goes to see anyone to talk about marriage problems. But what happens is that married people, right, married people, they bring their past, they bring their personalities, they bring their preferences, they bring all of that into their marriage, and many times married people think, once I say I do, right, all of that goes away. But the reality is we bring all of that past, which used to be our present with us, into our future. Now, here's another thing that married people think, which is also kind of crazy. And again, um, nobody told me this, um, and so I'm telling you this because I love you and I'm hoping to, to save you from a little bit of heartache. Uh, but married people think, listen, if I just meet the right person, then everything's going to be all right. But see, what they didn't realize is that while they were out there trying to find the right person, the person that they were trying to find, they were thinking the same thing. They were thinking, if I just meet the right person, everything's going to be all right. And so now both of these people are thinking, well, if we just meet the right people, then everything is going to be all right. And do you know how these people actually knew that they had met the right person? Right? Chemistry. Right? Chemistry. Because we just talk for hours. Right? I just think about her all the time. I just think about him all the time. We just, we, there, there's just this chemistry between us. We just can't wait to be together. Right? And so they get the physical thing going and they get the intimacy thing going. And, and all of a sudden, right, they have so much chemistry. And so they're convinced I've absolutely met the right person. But see, the problem is that while they were thinking this, the other person they met was thinking the very same thing. And they're thinking, okay, well, now that I've met the right person, everything's going to be all right. And so this couple gets married. But see, the problem is that all they had was chemistry, right? They, they, didn't, um, they didn't work on a relationship because they're thinking, well, I don't have to work on a relationship. When I meet the right person, he's going to be so good at relationship, I'm not going to have to do anything. She's going to be so good in relationship, I, I don't have to, to, to worry about anything. He's never going to make me have to be patient, so I don't have to practice being patient. She's never going to make me have to be patient, so I don't have to be patient. But see, guess what kind of problems couples have? Not chemistry problems. No, couples have relational problems. Couples think love is enough, right? Couples think that passion is enough. But see, pretty soon over time, what starts to happen is the very thing that this couple thought made them unique, the chemistry, right? The thing that made them feel like this is special, this is once in a lifetime, this will last forever. All of a sudden, right, that starts to fade, Right? All of a sudden, the passion and the romance and the emotion that used to be so intimate, suddenly that part of the relationship, it begins to die. The very thing, right? the very thing that convinced this couple that they had met the right person, that begins to die. The chemistry. Because they thought, once I meet the right person, right, everything is going to be all right. Right? And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking or you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, okay, um, Joe, listen, that's so naive. I, I, I would never fall for that. But I'm telling you, if you have bought into this idea, right, that if I meet the right person, everything's going to work out and be all right, you have bought into a lie. And so as we begin this series together today, and, and today is, is just the introduction, um, as we start this series, I, I want to begin by giving you a big idea 
um, because I want you to start to get your minds and your hearts around this idea because we're going to come back to this idea over and over and over throughout the course of this series. When, when our sons Joe and Nathan um, got to be teenagers and when they started to think about dating and when they were dating and when they started thinking about marriage, this is what I spent all of my time talking to Joe and Nathan about as far as relationships. Instead of trying to find the right person, are you becoming the right person? See, this is what nobody tells you when it comes to romantic relationships and especially marriage, but this is huge. Right? This is, this is life-changing, right? which brings us to a question for all of us, whether you're single or married um, or, or single again. Right? The question is this, are you finding or are you becoming? Because, see, Jesus says, I want you to follow me and, and then you'll become. But, but are you playing the game of someday? That's what I want you to think about. Right? Someday. I'm just going to magically, mystically, providentially, somehow, someday, I'm going to meet the right person. And when I meet the right person, everything is going to end up being all right. And see, the interesting thing is this. When you open up the pages of Scripture and you ask the question, okay, what does Scripture have to say about finding the right person? The truth is there is very little in the pages of Scripture that speaks into that. But when you ask the question, Heavenly Father, how do I become the right person? Right? All of a sudden what you discover is that the pages of Scripture light up. Which really should not come as a surprise because God who created you for relationship and God who created relationship, right? he wants you to understand how you've been designed. Right? It is natural for you, want, for you to want to hear somebody say, I love you. It is natural for you to want to hear somebody say, you are the most important person in my life. It is natural for you to, to want to hear somebody say, I have so much respect for you. Right? That is the thumbprint of your Heavenly Father on your soul. You were created. You were designed for relationship. Good romantic relationships do not happen accidentally. And they do not happen randomly. It's not if I just keep putting myself out there and if I meet enough men and if I need enough women, then eventually, right, eventually I'm going to find the right person. All that does is lead to heartache. The question, the question that I want you to think about and what I want us to wrestle with over the next several weeks together is am I becoming the person? Are you becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, right? If you're married, here's the question I want you to wrestle with. Are you still, are you still the person, the person you're looking for was looking for? Are you still that person? Or have you allowed life and kids and jobs and busyness and business and all those other things to actually turn you in to somebody else? What we're going to talk about today is how you become the right person. This is how you re-become the right person. The Apostle Paul, he tells us this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, listen, love, remember, remember love, love is patient. Right? Do you know what patience means? Patience means this, that love never ever pressures the other person. Right? Ever. Love creates as much space and as much time and as much margin as the other person needs. That's what love does because love is patient. If you're in a relationship 
and the relationship is constantly feeling like push, 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 and why won't you, and why can't you, and can't you just, I don't, I'm telling you, that's not love, right? I don't know what that is. I don't know what he or she is doing to you in that relationship, but they are not loving you. And this does not suddenly show up in a person once they say, I do, right? This is developed over time. The Apostle Paul continues and he says this, he says, love is kind, right? Meaning love is is considerate, right? You know what considerate means? Considerate means that you actually take into consideration the other person's feelings all the time, right? Love is kind, love is considerate. Right? The point here being is that you don't wait until you find the one and then start working on this stuff. No, you work on this in every single relationship. So that by the time you meet the person that you think, okay, maybe he's the one, maybe she's the one, you are the most patient. You are the most kind person on the planet. Paul says, listen, I want you to become something because it's by becoming that prepares you for great relationship. Patience, kindness, he says, and he says, love does not envy. Right? You know what envy is? Envy is, I don't feel good about myself, so therefore you can't feel good about yourself. And so I'm going to drag you down and drag you down and drag you down. You know what this looks like in a dating relationship? Right? You're out on a date Right, you're you're with you're at a restaurant someplace. You're you're listening to your date, and, and you know what this means in a dating relationship. It means that when you're on a date and your date tells a story, right? Instead of telling a story that's better than their story, you just look at them and say, "Really? Wow, how'd you do that?" Right? You you just let the glory sit with them. You don't try to constantly one up them all the time. You you just you just say, "Wow," and zip it. See, this does not come naturally. People get married all the time, right, all the time. And she's a little bit more successful than he is. um, And and so she's a a little bit maybe more outgoing than he is. And he starts to feel threatened, right? She gets more attention than he does. And all of a sudden, um, he starts to feel threatened. And he doesn't feel good about himself. So he can't feel, let her feel good about herself. And so he drags her down and drags her down and drags her down. Right, and that kills the passion. It kills the intimacy in the relationship. Because, see, he had no idea that he had a problem with this. Because he thought, if I just meet the right person, everything is going to be all right. The Apostle Paul goes on and he says, listen, love, it does not boast. And love is not proud. Right? And some of you are sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, okay, Joe, so time out. So what you're suggesting is that I go out on a date, right, and I'm with my date, right, and it's like, okay, now you, you be kind and I'm going to be patient um, and, and you be considerate and I'm not going to envy and it's going to be you first and then you first and then you first and you first. We're going to just sit at a restaurant and go back and forth all night, you first, you first, you first, waiting for somebody to order. Are you kidding me, Joe? That sounds ridiculous. Like how is that supposed to be any fun? Let me ask you a question and we'll move on. Listen, um, if you grew up in a family, right, and and your parents' marriage was just a mess, 
right? And maybe they didn't get divorced necessarily, um, but when you looked at their relationship, um, you, you thought to yourself, okay, if that's what marriage is, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Right? Do you think um, in, in your growing up family, do you think things w- would have been better um, and perhaps maybe your parents even would have stayed together, right, if they had been more um, patient with each other? If perhaps your father had been more considerate of your mom's feelings? If there wasn't so much competition and one-upsmanship in their relationship? <laughs> Some of you, your, your dad was so proud he could never admit that he was wrong. For some of you, your mom was so proud she could never admit that she was wrong. And it just killed the intimacy, didn't it? It just killed the romance. Do you think some doses of this would have helped? Right? The answer is yes, right? And so why didn't they have it? Why didn't they learn it like do you understand the the opportunity that you have that we all have right now do do, do you understand how well this will serve you do you understand how well this will serve your future do you understand that each one of us individually is responsible for saying to our heavenly father okay heavenly father i want to become this Uh, heavenly father i want you to transform my character that i can't do that for you that your husband your wife they cannot do that for you heavenly father i want to become something so that when i become something if if i should choose and heavenly father if you would actually allow me to meet someone that i'm actually going to be healthy enough relationally to be in a good relationship with that person that i meet the apostle paul goes on and he says this he says listen love does not dishonor others right you know what this means It means that you are never, ever a part of a person's regret story. It means that when you date, you never, ever create regret in the other person's life. Right, let me give you some more words to kind of tease this out. Like, love does not dishonor others. Love does not behave disgracefully towards others. Love does not behave indecently or dishonorably towards others. Listen, I am not saying this to try to make you feel guilty. That is not why I'm saying this. I am saying this because I love you. And I want you, I want you to get this right. Dating this way, I'm telling you, dating this way is how you learn what it means to honor a woman. Dating this way is where you learn what it means to actually honor a man. Right, so that one day when you meet the person that you think this is the one and you have fallen madly in love with that person, you are like the most honoring person that other person has ever met. 
Because married people think, okay, um, once I get married, the person I married, they're just going to kind of pull this out of me. Right? I'm gonna, they're they're going to be so awesome. This other person, they're going to be so awesome, I'm not even going to have to work at this. It's just going to come naturally because they're just going to pull honor out of me. But that is not true. And it kills the passion and it kills the romance and it kills the chemistry. Love... Paul says, is not self-seeking. See, none of this, none of this actually comes naturally in a relationship. You know what comes naturally in a relationship? Passion, right? Chemistry, right? I can't wait to be with you, can't wait to be alone with you, right? That's what comes naturally in a relationship. And listen, that's good. Your heavenly father created that. Your heavenly father put that in you. But listen, and you may not believe that, or believe what I'm about to say, but you can actually feel that way about a thousand different people. You can actually feel that sense of passion and chemistry for a person that you're only going to see for a weekend. And to allow your relationship to be driven by something that you could feel for a thousand different people, to allow your relationship to be driven by chemistry and biology and to think that somehow, magically, mystically, all this other stuff is actually going to appear someday? Like, come on. That is a fairy tale. And that is a fairy tale that leads people to think that marriage doesn't work. That nobody actually falls in love and stays in love for a lifetime. That is a fairy tale that leads people to thinking that marriage is just an institution that needs to be discarded in the wastebasket of history. This always requires effort. But this is what your Heavenly Father wants to do in you. This is what He wants to build in you. This is what He wants you to become. Right? When you and I say to our Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I actually want to become someone. I don't want to just find someone. No, Heavenly Father, I actually want to become the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for. Then the Apostle Paul, right, he wraps up this very familiar, very famous section of Scripture by saying something. And what he says next, I'm telling you, this is the kind of thing that if you don't read the Bible, this is going to make you want to actually read the Bible. Okay, because the Apostle Paul says this in verse 11. He says, okay, he says, when I was a child, right, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, right, which makes sense, right, because when we're children, that's what we do. We talk and think and act and behave like children. But then he says this, But when I became a man or an adult, I put childish ways behind me. Listen, now with that in mind, with that idea in mind, let me ask you a question, right? How does every childhood fairy tale end? Right, when the prince and the princess are finally able to be together, they finally overcome all the odds, all the obstacles, and they're finally able to be together. How does every childhood fairy tale end? What do they always say at the end of those stories? Right, and they lived happily ever after. 
right? Because in a fairy tale, as long as you can get these two people together, then everything else will take care of itself. Do you realize that some of you are dating and you are approaching the most important relationships in your life like a fairy tale? And that makes for good movie, makes for good TV, makes for good novels, but it does not make for a good life. And your Heavenly Father, who created you and designed you and who created you for relationship, He wants what's best for you. He wants the best for you. And so today, as we wrap up our first message in this new series, as we kind of begin to get our hearts and our minds around this big idea, right, of becoming, here's the question that I want, I want to kind of leave this with you and try to um, maybe jumpstart something inside of you as you think about what it means to actually become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. So on your outline, if you take your outline out, those of you who are watching at home right now, if you didn't download the outline, you can do this on a blank sheet of paper. Um, you can do this in your Bible. In the middle of your outline, you're going to see something that looks like this um, on the outline. What I want you to do um, for everybody, right, this is kind of your assignment today, um, is I want you to just, in each one of these blanks, I want you to put your first name. And then what I want you to do is I want you to read, after you put your first name in all these blanks, I want you to read each of these statements. And I want you to ask, while you're doing that, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And when you do that and you read these statements with your name in them, and you sense the Holy Spirit kind of giving you that nudge, like, oh boy. Like that, I, I, I may not be the sharpest guy, but I know that's not true of me. Those are the things I want you to circle because those are the very, very specific things that I want you to begin to confess to your Heavenly Father and to ask the Holy Spirit to transform in your character so that you become more like Jesus and less like you. So the question for all of us Right, for all of us as we begin this series today. Are you willing? Are you willing to actually allow your Heavenly Father to help you become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? I promise you, you will never, ever, ever regret the time and the energy that you invest in this. Now, next week, um, I'll give you a little kind of preview and a little warning. Um, actually, the next two weeks... Um, the next two weeks are the weeks that you want to make sure your children are in our children's areas. And if you have teenagers, you want to make sure they are right down here in front. Okay, so that's what I want to say about next week. If you are a college student or you're a young adult, I want to ask you to please, please, please be here next week. If you can't be here, please at least watch with us. Um, we're going to pick it up right here, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, And we're going to talk about an area of life. Right, where this is probably the most difficult concept to apply, um, but at the same time, um, I'm convinced it will save us the most heartache and definitely the most regret. 
Now, I've got two books that I want to recommend to you for this series if you want to follow along. One for those of you who are single, dating, married, or, engage, or dating or engaged. And the other for you if you're married. Now, you can certainly read the other person's book, but I want to have you start with your own book. Um, this book right here, again, for those who are single, dating, and engaged by Ben Stewart. Um, it's a great book, and there's a great YouTube series if you're more of a watcher than a reader. He's got a great series on YouTube that you can watch. And then The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. Both of these are excellent books, and both of these are going to help you um, as we move through this series together over the next couple of weeks. Now, um, one more thing before we pray, and that are that is my three questions that I have for all of us. And I'm hoping that you will read these questions and not only be honest with yourself, but even better, be honest with maybe a friend, maybe a small group. If you're really daring, maybe be honest with your parents, and you can read these questions and talk about them together. Uh, if you're watching online, you can screenshot this. If you're here and you didn't get an outline, you can take a picture of this. First question is simply, what's something that you've trained for, and how did you prepare? Looking at our culture, do you think dating is preparing people for great relationships? Why or why not? And then finally, I want you to reread 1 Corinthians, verses, uh, thir 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 5. And what is it that actually stands out to you personally in those verses? And how would relationships be different if more people loved each other this way? I am so excited about this series and the number of the next three weeks that we have together. I hope you're going to be here with me. I hope you're going to be watching with us online. I would love to pray for you this morning. Jesus, you are patient. And Jesus, you are kind. Jesus, you do not envy, you do not boast. Jesus, you are not proud. Jesus, you are not easily angered, and Jesus, you keep no record of wrongs. My wrongs. Our wrongs. Heavenly Father, for some of us, as we um, hear these words, as we think about these words, as we listen to this message, for, for some of us, Father, um, this just simply affirms decisions. It affirms beliefs maybe that we've had for years, maybe that we've made years ago. For others of us, though, um, this is brand new. Like, this is different. This is very, very different. We've never even thought about some of these ideas. And Father, for still others of us, the truth is, if we're honest, it just brings up a wave of guilt. And yet the good news of the gospel, Jesus, you're so clear, is that our past does not determine our worth. You do. You laid down your life for us, for me, because you said that we are worth dying for. 
And so, Holy Spirit, my prayer for all of us this morning, for all of us watching right now, is that wherever there is guilt, and there is, there is guilt in this somewhere for all of us, Father, wherever there is guilt, Holy Spirit, would you just bring grace? Would you bring forgiveness? Would you give us the courage and the boldness to say, yes, this is what I want. That is what I once was. That is not who I am any longer. Because, Jesus, you have given me your grace. And you have made me a new creation. Jesus, I want to become someone new. Someone who reflects you and your love in all of their relationships. And Jesus, as each of us, as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, the bread and the wine, the body and the blood, your blood. I just ask that you hear us as we personally and silently confess our sin to you. Heavenly Father, throughout the pages of Scripture, you tell us over and over and over again that you are faithful, that you are just, and that you promise that to each of us and to all of us, to anyone who confesses our sin to you, you promise to forgive us and to wipe us clean of our sin. And so your sin, it is truly forgiven. In Jesus' name.